You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, episode 92. You're listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast, a podcast all about inspiring female creative entrepreneurs, their stories, experiences, and life lessons. Hear from women working in creative industries who are breaking the rules and doing things their way. Learn from their challenges, struggles, failures, and successes, and get an inside look at their top tools and resources that help them along the way. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to the Hustlenomics podcast. I'm your host, Katie, and today I am so excited to be talking with Nisha Tomiko. She has a sales consulting and coaching company focused on helping female founders, small businesses, and individual sales contributors. So, Nisha, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Katie. Absolutely. So I would love to kind of hear a little bit more about you and everything that you do with your company. Yeah, absolutely. So like you mentioned, Misha Tomiko uh, is a sales coaching and consulting company that predominantly focuses on working with female entrepreneurs and sales professionals. And so most of my work with my clients is either focused on helping them build up the mindset and um, EQ skills for sales. um, And that's pretty much on the coaching side. So lots of working through limiting beliefs and fears that come up when uh, when we're faced with sales situations. And then um, I also help female founders who are in the revenue stages of their business get the sales function set up. Okay, fantastic. So I'm always fascinated by business owners' journey to where they kind of got to owning their own business. So what did you start out doing with your career? Yeah, so interesting story, as I'm sure a lot of us have now. We've got like this alchemist story, right, of how we've collected all of our skills. So I um, I started my career in sales, uh, originally in the healthcare space. And so I spent some time selling services and devices in the healthcare space. And then I moved over to selling in the brand protection and track and trace space. So more with pharmaceutical companies who wanted to make sure that we knew our drugs were safe. Um, And then I ended up in the tech industry, which was basically focused on HR tech and recruiting tech and spent about five years in that space. So always in sales, but maneuvering in and out of different industries. And did you kind of get your degree knowing that you wanted to go into sales has always been something that you're passionate about? Or did you just kind of discover one day that you were really good at it? Oh, oh no. No, I didn't I didn't start with sales. I have a degree in biology. So when I was in school, I wanted to be a biology teacher or I wanted to be a primary care physician. And as school started to get to the end of the the four years, I realized I needed to get out and, and make some money. So I actually my somebody in my family was in pharmaceutical sales and thought, hey, you might be interested in this. Let's talk about it. And and they basically said you have to work your butt off and and like working with people and I was like okay both of those are good for me and so I jumped into it and and learned I had those skills that were a huge strength for me and then also um, some others that popped up which which helped me out so I got lucky yeah that's awesome and I've always kind of been intimidated by the whole sales process I worked in corporate for a little while selling modular buildings um, which is kind of a oh wow it's hard to sell them if you put it that way did you feel intimidated going into kind of a sales team or what was your the structure like when you first started kind of getting into sales were you on your own were you working with a team 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was absolutely intimidated. I started out as a what they used to call a cold caller, an inside salesperson. And so, yeah, so my my job was to um, get hung up on a lot. So yeah, it was like just getting into the down and dirty as soon as I started my career. But I think that that gave me a lot of grit from the get go because you have to build up that resistance if if you're gonna 50 calls 60 calls a day and use you know much different technology than we had before today you know this is going back 13 years or so so yeah jumping in I was absolutely intimidated I was calling into like large hospital systems and speaking with people that were very prestigious in those organizations and you know at 22 years old it was it was extremely intimidating so no (laughs) it wasn't always easy I'm glad you mentioned the cold calling because that's one of the things that I had to do as well, even, you know, six years ago. But I think a lot of things have changed in business and corporate and in sales. But I'd love to kind of hear how your approach to sales is different than what a lot of people might be used to when it comes to tactics like the cold calling and things like that. Yeah, I think it's interesting because I've been in so many different industries and my roles have ranged between having to manage the entire sales cycle, meaning I have to find the lead, I have to call the lead, and then I have to sell them and bring them on as a customer. And then I have to maintain that relationship. So I've had full cycle. I've had just pure closing positions where my job was strictly to get the lead and then close them as a customer and move them on to a customer success team. So I think the skill sets that I've built over time and the style of my selling has definitely evolved throughout my career. And I've been able to figure out what works really well for me, which is so important whenever you're selling we're still we're humans we're selling to other humans and i think sometimes sometimes we forget that in in today's super digital age so for me a lot of my ability to be successful in sales depended on my mindset it depended on how i managed my emotions which is something that i work with my clients on a lot obviously strategy and tactics are important and i have tons of those I love strategizing. It's one of my favorite things to do. But I think that when it comes to where your head's at and why you're doing the things you're doing or how you're doing the things that you're doing, it's really important that that you focus on those pieces too. And I don't think in sales that gets enough attention. Yeah, and I would love to kind of dive into that mindset part of your business a little bit later. But um, you do work with a lot of female founders. And since this podcast is kind of geared towards uh, female entrepreneurs and all that kind of stuff, I'd love to kind of talk about the unique challenges and um, aspects of selling when it comes to being a woman and being a woman run business. So what are some of the, let's say, I'm trying to think patterns maybe is a good word that you've seen over and over again that come up with women in sales and um, some of the unique challenges that, that we deal with when it comes to selling within our businesses? Yeah. And the one the one thing that I have to say about this is these challenges are challenges that salespeople come up against all the time. There's a sense of like ego and make it to you or fake it till you make it um, in sales that I think salespeople are taught to put on, but they still have these underlying fears too. So I have to throw that in there that this is not just, you know, something that, that business owners are, are going through. But when it comes to women, a lot of the things that come up for all of us are things like imposter syndrome. We 
don't want to be too pushy. Learning how to manage or understand being rejected is something that is a huge fear for us. So there are these main principles that all kind of fall into this bucket of us being fearful of not being good enough or smart enough or strong enough. And the fact of the matter is every statistic that has been published about women selling is that not to dog on the on the guys, but we're better at it. So <laughs> so at the end of the day, our mix of, of skill sets are really powerful. And I think if we can just move through some of the, the limitations that we have in our minds around, uh, around the fears that we have, we're able to accelerate tons once we recognize that, um, that we can own it and that we can do it. So yeah, those are some of the main pieces that I've come up with with my clients. And if there's someone listening who completely resonated with what you just said about all those fears and those feelings of feeling too pushy or not good enough. Are there any exercises that you kind of work with your your clients to kind of identify some of those mental blocks and just maybe a couple of straightforward exercises that someone could do daily to start moving past them? Yeah, yeah, there's there's some great there's some great tools. So the first thing I always like to walk my clients through is them writing down a list of why they find or what about themselves they find valuable. They can't be things like you're a mom, I'm a great I'm a great mom, I'm a great daughter, I'm a hard worker. It needs to be things that are at your at your core and things that are attribute of you that make up your identity uniquely. And so the idea behind this exercise is for you to take a look at a list of, and I say a minimum of 20, which can be difficult for people, but pulling together a list of 20 things that you really find valuable about yourself and how you leverage those unique talents that you have. And the whole purpose of this exercise is for you to recognize that you are valuable. I think that's one of the things that that we can struggle with that makes our confidence kind of sway back and forth is, am I valuable? Am I providing value? Um, And I think the second piece to that exercise is then understanding where am I using these valuable pieces in my life and where else could I be leveraging them in my life that I'm not? Um, And so when it comes to business, a lot of times when I'm working with, with my clients, what they realize is there are some really, really awesome things that they leverage every day when it comes to them being a mom or them being a good partner that they could be leveraging in sales or in their business that that they're not that are strengths. So we talk about how to incorporate those. And that's really a really impactful kind of foundational exercise that I I work with my clients through. Yeah, I really like that. I might have to do that for myself. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure it, it is difficult. 20 sounds like a lot. But imagine, you know, how much you have to work with after you get through that exercise. I see how valuable that is. And you know, another thing that I've struggled with, um, especially, I think I mentioned this before we kind of hopped on, I kind of jumped into my business, really excited, really gung ho, but I didn't kind of do a lot of those foundational blocks that I needed to do to make sure that I was set up for success. And one of those things that I skipped over, which I now had to have go back and do is kind of identifying my individual sales voice. And you talk about this on your website, Can you kind of explain what that means. And also, you know, a second part of this question um, is kind of not mimicking other people in a way that you think you should be selling, but finding your own unique way of doing it. 
Yeah, absolutely. So your unique sales voice is something that that is so, so important to understand and embrace. And, and ultimately what it is, is it's your style and kind of your swag to the way that you manage your conversations um, and your relationships with clients. Uh, there's in the sales community, there's a lot of do it this way, which I don't believe in because I'm I'm a traditional coach. So I'm a certified professional coach. So I thoroughly believe in people exploring and understanding how they can best leverage their capabilities to be as effective and um, as successful as they want to be. So your unique sales voice is a combination of all of those attributes that we're talking about and you feeling really comfortable using those pieces to get uh, across the point of your value. And so I think when it comes to some of the fears that we talked about, imposter syndrome, feeling pushy, dealing with rejection, a lot of those, those pieces can come up if we aren't firm in our our voice, how are we selling? Why are we selling? What why are we calling it selling? Like selling such a, a bad word to so many people, and sales is such a bad word to so many people. So if we want to reposition that to your sales voice, which your sales voice may say instead, I'm providing value to my customers. I'm not quote unquote selling to them because that, that feels uncomfortable. So it's about you you embracing your your you know strengths and qualities. And, and talking about things the way that feel comfortable for you. Yeah, and kind of going off that a little bit, you know, I'm just talking about me personally, and maybe a lot of people out there um, in kind of the millennial generation, and we tend to be a little bit more casual, a little bit more free flowing when it comes to the way that we we speak, and, and even our copy on our website. But sometimes I wonder, there has to be a way to, to do that and still sound professional and still sound trustworthy. Have you come across that? And do you, have you found a way to balance that with your clients or, you know, even the way that you sell? It goes back to you being comfortable with what you're putting out yourself. I think if you want to be more casual and laid back with your copy and and that's your your vibe and those are the clients that you're looking to attract, I think that's perfectly fine. It's all about your end user, your audience, and your intention. So what are you intending to to put out? Why are, why are you intending it? to do it that way? And who are the people that you're trying to speak to? And so if it's more casual, great, that that's you. And same thing with your sales voice. Great, that's you. And you're going to attract people that are attracted to that, that sales voice, people that are really rigid and, um, you know, might be on the quote unquote corporate side aren't going to be as attracted to that. But if that's not the audience and the type of person that you're looking to work with, then perfect, it works out great for you. Awesome. Yeah, I like that a lot. Finding leads and finding sales seems to be kind of like the first thing at the top of a lot of people's minds, especially solopreneurs who are kind of having to do everything themselves and don't have a team to kind of support them. So what's your view of the kind of sales landscape and finding leads in a world post cold calling? Yeah, I think it's easier than it's ever been. It is, it, it's really easy to find the leads. It's getting through the door. Right. So I think it's easier than ever to create a lead list to find the clients that you want to work with and get as much information as you need to. I mean, rapport building has never has never been 
um, easier or something. You know, you can find information about everybody on the internet now. But I think the getting through the door is is the biggest challenge. And what I find a lot of times is people are using one tactic. So they're using social media. And that's the only way that they're trying to get through the door to, to find prospects. It's a great lead avenue, but it's not your only one. I always recommend my clients have between five and seven different avenues that they're using to get people through the door. And that could simply be a great referral engine. You already know lots of people. So how are the people that you know helping you and and how are you helping them? Developing partnerships is a great lead engine. So I would just say to expand your horizons on the places and the ways that you're, you're bringing people through. And don't be nervous to send the email or ask for ask for the meeting. That's a, another big thing that that people come up against because there's this idea that we have to have built up this really strong relationship before we start talking about our business. And I do appreciate the relationship piece. It's a, a big that's been a big value in how I sell. But I also have really great success with cold emailing people and just saying, "Hey, I saw X, Y, and Z online about you." or I heard you on a podcast, really inspired, would love to just chat and see if there's anything that I could help you with. And because it's genuine, and I'm coming from a place of help, I have a a really great response rate. So I'd say just, you know, use different avenues and and be genuine in, in your outreach. Yeah, I really like that kind of template of, of moving forward first with what can I help you with? What can I provide value instead of saying, like, here's this thing, buy it? Um, that's really great advice. It seems so simple, but, um, you know, it, it really is something that a lot of people have yet to kind of implement. But speaking about solopreneurs in general um, who are wanting to kind of increase their sales and increase their lead generation, do you have any tools that they could start using, like either, even customer management systems or anything that you found, follow-up systems, things that as somebody who's having to wear all the hats would find helpful? Yeah, it's funny. This is a, a question that I get a lot. And a really basic tool that a lot of people don't leverage is their Gmail template. I know it sounds so silly, but just using your your Gmail email templates and having template doored in there and a, a, a regular cadence in your calendar for when you're doing outreach to people when you're when you're trying to connect with people or or have conversations with people. Those are two really simple, basic things that will save your life. Um, You shouldn't be writing an email or rewriting an email every single time you go to send one out, you should have a template that you can tweak or 10 templates that you can tweak just based on which part of the outreach you're in. And then for people that are more advanced, there's obviously systems that can can help you organize that like Trello is really great. If you want to go all the way into the CRM world, HubSpot's really great. But I would say for people that are just starting out, organization is is the key to your success. And just using some of the basic tools and and being organized can be your can be your best friend. I love that. I think that's great advice. It's simple but effective. That's great. I found that like email templates have been so so helpful for me because. I you like you mentioned, write out the same thing over and over again. So it saves so much time for me. And are there any other like recommendations when it comes to podcasts or courses or books, anything that's related to business or just personal development that you think the listeners might find helpful? Yeah. So let's see. So one of 
my favorite podcast for personal development is um, On Purpose by Jay Shetty. I absolutely love Jay Shetty's work. He was a monk and is now an influencer in the in the healthcare space, especially when it comes to like mental health and relationships. And the, he just brings on some really, really um, interesting guests. And he always has actionable tips, which I love some actionable tips. So I love that podcast. A book I would recommend for people that are just getting into sales, so more sales focused, is Talking to Strangers by Malcolm Gladwell. It's a book about more of the psychology of of relationships, and it doesn't it doesn't necessarily speak to terms in psychology. It's more storytelling around why we operate the way that we do. And I think from a sales perspective, we forget sometimes, like I mentioned earlier, that we're selling to human beings, and so understanding why we do the things we do and why we make the decisions that we make can can help sales people or people that are needing to sell get into a headspace that's more comfortable and relaxed because y- you have an idea of what's going on on the other side of the table it doesn't just feel like this you know black box that you're reaching into yeah, awesome. I'll link to all of those in the show notes. And just to kind of wrap things up in a nice little bow, if you know, going back to those foundational building blocks that I've been talking about, if you could give, you know, one to three pieces of advice on how to start out strong with a strong foundational base when building your sales part of your business or starting out a sales career, what would those be? Yeah. So the first thing is your mindset. Number one thing is figuring out and locking in your sales mindset because that's going to lead your intentions in your conversations. It's going to lead how you do the things that you do when it comes to marketing and sales. I know it seems like a silly thing to focus on first, but it it's the number one place where your actions are going to come from, right? It, it's all It all starts with your mindset. So figuring out things like like, where am I feeling uncomfortable? Where are fears coming up? Why are they coming up? And how can I shift that mindset to be something that is benefiting me? So that's that's number one. I'd say getting organized is is number two. I have a strict calendar schedule that I follow, but everybody kind of has a different flavor to what works for them. Getting organized is key. So like the base that we talked about with Gmail, getting some templates in place, making sure that you have calendar blocks that are dedicated to not only your marketing activity, but your outreach uh, activity for partnerships and networking and all of that great stuff. And then I would say just doing the work of actually reaching out to people. So I would say foundationally, just do it. I think a lot of people will get nervous and then they start procrastinating and doing other things in the business. And so you actually have to follow what what you've put in place. And even if you're scared, just start doing it because that fear will will subside once you've you've got a repetition going and, and you understand what to expect. Fantastic. That's awesome. And so can you also tell people how to find you online? Because I'm sure people are going to want to follow you and follow everything that you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. So um, everything is at Misha Tamiko. So that's M-I-S-H-A-T-A-M-I-K-O. And my website is .com. And that's also my Instagram handle. So find me there and let's connect. Perfect. Thank you so much, Misha, for coming on the show today. It's been awesome to talk to you. Thanks, Katie. It's been great talking to you too.
Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed today's interview. Don't forget that you can check out previous episodes as well as all the show notes at www.hustlenomicspodcast.com. If you want to support the show, you can head over to iTunes and leave a rating or a review. Each review means so much to me, and it really helps the podcast on the business end. If you want to find another way to support the show, we're also on Patreon. You can find a link to our Patreon on our website. If you have any questions or you have a topic you would like to hear covered on the show, feel free to DM me on Instagram or send me an email. Thanks again for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Hustlenomics Podcast. Be sure to visit www.hustlenomicspodcast.com to join the conversation, access the show notes, and discover bonus content. If you enjoyed today's episode and want to hear more, just head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. For questions about the podcast or if you want to apply to be a guest, use the contact form found on our website. Thank you for listening, and until next time, keep hustling.